We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, friends. By now you've heard me talk about the new brand of water that looks like tall boys of beer, Liquid Death. This crisp, refreshing mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors is by far and away the best brand of water on the market. One of my favorite aspects of Liquid Death is that most water companies use plastic bottles, which is beyond terrible for the environment. Most of the plastic you throw into a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. But aluminum is infinitely recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities, hence why Liquid Death uses aluminum cans. Most importantly, the water tastes great. I can't get enough of the lime sparkling water and my family has been drinking them nonstop. It's always fun seeing our sons get crazy looks as they are downing tall boys out in public as well. If you haven't tried Liquid Death yet, what are you waiting for? You can get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or find a Liquid Death retailer near you using their store locator at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. We are officially past midterm elections, which means no more YouTube ads, no more mailers, no more phone calls, no more texts, no more emails. And hopefully we can be a little bit less divisive as a country. And to kick things off in the spirit of less divisiveness, let's talk about today the least divisive Packers topic known to man, Aaron Rodgers. Of course, an extremely divisive topic. One of my least favorite topics because of the divisiveness and everyone has their heels dug in. He's either the greatest of all time, the greatest thrower ever, best quarterback, MVP, etc. Or he's washed, he's trashed, he's terrible, trade him, cut him. And there's very little in the middle. Everyone's got their extreme opinions on Aaron Rodgers. And of course, it's total crap. The answer's always somewhere in the middle. I'm not going to go all Stephen A. Smith today. If you were expecting me to come in and be like, Aaron Rodgers is the worst quarterback I have ever seen. 
That's the worst impression ever. I'm never going to do an impression ever again. But if you were expecting that, this is not going to happen. Same thing. I'm not going to say he's the best. I'm not going to say any of that. I'm going to go over today some of the things that I think are currently a little bit broken with Aaron Rodgers. But before I do so, since everyone is so passionate about the topic, I do feel the need to put a couple disclaimers ahead of this topic today. First of all, Aaron Rodgers, clearly one of the all-time greats, maybe the best ever, and one of the greatest throwers of the football to ever exist on the planet Earth. I would love nothing more than if he would have another run the table moment. I know he recently mentioned there's a lot of people doubting him and that nobody thinks that they're going to be able to do anything. I will say, I'm not really expecting the Packers to do anything much the remainder of the season, but I would love nothing more than for that to be proven wrong in another run the table moment. By all means, that would be fantastic. I am actively cheering for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers' success. I don't want failure. That doesn't sound fun. I would much rather have an amazing last run with Aaron Rodgers. That sounds phenomenal. So I'm not not cheering for his failure. Uh, I do not consider myself an Aaron Rodgers hater. You may disagree. You may think after today that I am. I promise you I am not. Like I said, I am cheering for his success. I certainly do not think that Aaron Rodgers is irrevocably broken and that he's just going to be a shell of a quarterback from here on out. I don't think that's the case at all. I still think Aaron Rodgers is making insane plays, evidenced by the Alan Lazard touchdown this past week, which was just a beyond gorgeous pass from Aaron Rodgers. He still does incredible things almost every given Sunday. And if you told me that either this season or maybe he comes back next season, either for the Packers or another team, if you told me that he had another amazing run in him or even won an MVP next year still, none of that would be shocking to me. He is a GOAT level quarterback. Uh, to which we have seen very few in the history of the NFL, and nothing would surprise me with what accolades that he would be able to achieve moving forward. So that is my overarching thought on Aaron Rodgers and where things stand right now. However, it does it is worth noting, and it is my belief, that right now Aaron Rodgers is a little bit broken. And part of that isn't all his fault, which we will get into in great detail. So what's my basis for that? There's a variety of different things, but first of all, let's go through my grades first. And again, as I've said before, not the be-all end-all, not canon, not Bible. It's just what I've seen. Here were Rogers' first nine games in every season that I've graded using this exact same grading scale since 2018. So this is the first nine games of every season. 2018 plus 10.95, 2019 plus 14, 2020 plus 20.20, believe it or not, 20.2. 2021 plus 5.95, more on that in a second, 2022 negative 3.65. So 2021, you might be asking, why wasn't that, you know, the higher he was an MVP? The next six games uh, were about to be a run of epic proportions that he graded insanely high. And ultimately that's when his MVP, um, you know, sort of when people started looking at him as the potential MVP of the league, his MVP campaign, if you will, really kicked off. So Every other season, you know, good in 2018, better in 2019, insane in 2020, and then eventually insane in 2021 as well, but just solid really through through this point of the season, and then pretty darn bad through 2022. The point being here is if in all the other years where Aaron Rodgers was good, the grading scale showed that he was good, and if the year that he was insane in 2020 as the clear MVP of the league and just beyond incredible as a quarterback showed that he had an insanely high grade. If those things correlate, 
And it's possible, just maybe possible, that when he has a very, or when he at least has a negative grade, he's probably not having as good of a season. Now, differing minds can certainly be uh, acceptable on the topic. Pro Football Focus, for example, they have Aaron Rodgers ranked as the 11th best quarterback so far this season. Uh, his grade so far this year is a 76.4. Average for a quarterback is is 60. So he's still trending above average. Now, one of the things that I struggle with, and like I said, it's it's totally fine to, to, to disagree. That's what makes this fun is these conversations and how people view things differently. And then you try to see like, all right, here's what I think, here's what they think. And then you try to come to some middle ground or at least have fun discussing it, right? The one thing I struggle with PFF on Rogers grade so far is this past game against the Lions, they had a positive grade. It was like a 63 something, but remember 60 is their average grade. So they had a positive grade on Aaron Rodgers against the Lions. There is nothing that you can do to convince me that that was a positive, positively graded game from Aaron Rodgers, but they have him as their 11th best quarterback. In 2018, he was graded as an 89 overall, 2019 an 83.7, in 2020 a 95.1, and in 2021 an 89.4. So once again, really good season, good season, insane season, really great season, and then 2022 so far, they have him as a 76.4. So even if you're maybe saying, Andy, like he's he's better than you're thinking, like if you want to go with pro football focuses grades instead, in which he is the 11th best quarterback, there is still a fairly significant drop off, even in their grading from 2020 to 2021 to 2022, a 95.1 in 20, a 76.4 so far in 2022. So they still have him as the 11th best quarterback. And I think that's part of the, the thing here, right? With Aaron Rodgers, it is insanely important to remember that the bar is insane and almost unreachable, unreachable and unattainable. He was the MVP of the league the last two seasons. So it's hard to go into any season with any expectation other than I think he's going to be the best player in the NFL. That just, it, like, it feels natural that he is going to be in the conversation for the MVP anytime he takes the field. So when he's not only, and again, let's take Pro Football Focus's grades, even if he's the 11th best quarterback in the league, even if that's your belief, going from the undisputed MVP in back-to-back -back seasons, playing at an insanely high level, to not only being not just the best quarterback, not only a top three quarterback, not a top five, not a top 10, but the 11th quarterback is an incredible drop-off. And as Aaron Rodgers likes to say, his bad years are better than almost every quarterback's good years. And he's right. That's totally true. And if we look at this season, right, here are his numbers. 205 uh, completions on 317 attempts, 64.7% completion percentage, 2,091 yards as we're about ha a little over halfway through the season, 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's still on pace for almost 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, 14 picks, which I guarantee you those picks start coming down a little bit. A few of those certainly unlucky, but overall, like if you're looking at just pure statistically, almost 65% completion percentage, 2,000 yards, double the touchdown to interception ratio. This is not like, and this is maybe the most clear I could be on anything. We are not talking about a like Mitch Trubisky bad quarterback here where it's like a, you know, 
10 touchdown to 14 interception sort of ratio, can't throw the ball. We're not talking about a end of Ben Roethlisberger career, an end of Peyton Manning career like year where they just couldn't even barely throw the football. Drew Brees, same thing. This is not the same. He is still clearly a good quarterback. The I think the the bar though was like MVP and you know best quarterback, and now he hasn't met that. And I would say well below 11th quarterback. I would say more towards the middle, maybe 16, 17-ish quarterback. Um, but ultimately, I don't really care where he ranks. I just want to know if he's playing well or not. So there are things from a more analytical standpoint with the advanced analytics that are not as kind to Aaron Rodgers' numbers. His efficiency from a clean pocket, Rodgers is ahead of only P.J. Walker, Sam Ellinger, Kenny Pickett, and Davis Mills. Every other quarterback that is a starting quarterback is ahead of Rodgers from efficiency in the pocket. And if one of the, the big ones for analytics nerds is adjusted net yards per pass attempt, those are incredibly down for Rodgers over his run in the Matt LaFleur era so far. So statistically, still good. PFF, 11th best quarterback. Some analytics stuff, not quite as good, but clearly still a solid, sound quarterback. We're, again, we're not talking about like the 2022 version of Matt Ryan or any of those other quarterbacks that I mentioned where they just fall off a cliff and can no longer compete. That is not the case here from Aaron Rodgers. But in order to evaluate where Rodgers is now, we sort of have to go back in time a little bit. So when we look at prime Aaron Rodgers, when we look at the best of the best, and again, very arguably the greatest thrower of the football ever, this was what he had at his disposal. I'm not talking about the talent around him. I'm talking about him as a superstar quarterback. These were, in my opinion, Aaron Rodgers' superpowers as a quarterback in his prime. First of all, he had an incredible arm. The zip on his ball and the torque on his, you know, his throwing motion, like what he was able to do to generate an insane, uh, you know, deep ball. And, you know, just if he needs to get a deep out and just throw it on an absolute line, now, Daniel Jeremiah scouts call it like easy gas, right? Like he doesn't have to like wind up and have this huge thing. Like it, the ball just exploded out of his hand and got to any layer of the field that he wanted to at any given time. There's the one throw where he's like, like just casually rolling out and chucks it down the field and it was an incomplete pass, but it sailed like 80 yards in the air and it looked like he didn't even try. Like that's the arm that Aaron Rodgers had. One of the greater arms of all time. Number two, just stupid accuracy. The ability not only to throw the ball to any level of the field, but the ability to get the ball on target to any layer of the field. I mean, those deep shots, those like, you know, the the um, the corner and then to a post routes that uh, Jennings and Nelson ran just like so gorgeously over and over and over and over again, and just made safeties look insanely stupid. Rodgers was just like so mechanical in, a, in the perfect way. Like it was just pitch and catch. Like he could just drop back. They would be wide open. He would throw it to him. And it was just on a dime every single time. And again, whether it, it didn't matter if it was a nine route, it didn't matter if it was a short route, intermediate at the line of scrimmage, it, it just didn't matter. Like he hit every layer of the field with incredible accuracy. He also had the ability to throw from any platform. So feet planted, unplanted, fading away, falling away, like feet in the air. Like it just didn't matter. Like he could throw from any angle, from any platform, falling away off balance, and he could still throw with the same, you know, arm strength and same accuracy, no matter what, just a ridiculous superpower that he had. Of course, his mobility, uh, both with um, the ability to run clearly, but also the ability to navigate the pocket and then stay behind the line of scrimmage and extend plays with that mobility. 
Um, his ability to have insane pocket awareness and make plays outside of the pocket, another superpower of his. His ability to avoid turnovers to a like superhuman extent. Like no quarterback has even come close to avoiding turnovers the way that Aaron Rodgers has avoided turnovers. He had the ability and has the ability to make adjustments at the line of scrimmage to just about anything, have a complete autonomy at the line. And then of course, the ability to draw defenders offsides and get free plays where you can take these shot plays down the field. And even if it's picked off, it doesn't hurt you because you it's a positive play. You get five free yards. Meanwhile, he connected on so many of them. So those are superpowers. Again, incredible arm, stupid accuracy in the best, I'm saying that in a positive, ability to throw from any platform, mobility, pocket awareness, ability to make plays outside of the pocket, ability to avoid turnovers, ability to make adjustments at the line, and ability to draw defenders offsides and get free plays. Those were, all of those were like A plus superstar abilities that he had in his prime. Now, what we also have to do understand is that even when he was in his prime, like a couple things, there were some flaws in his game, but let's just go over who he was. A, he was not a standard traditional drop back quarterback. He was at times, but a lot of time you, you didn't always see, and this is why Ben Fennell always said, like my favorite Aaron Rodgers highlights are from the pocket. What you saw with Aaron Rodgers a lot of times was an insane cast of wide receivers, whether it be driver, you know, Jordy, Jennings, Jones, Cobb, Adams, etc. You had a Jermichael Finley. Like you had an insane, you had insane weapons. A lot of times who could win with some immediacy, especially Jennings, Nelson, and Adams is in kind of that lineage. And you know what he would do a lot of times is he'd have that superstar receiver, and he would go to that read, go to that player, and if they were open, immediately hit it with that ridiculous arm strength and accuracy, no matter what route they were running. And he could throw players open when needed to as well. But like, that's where he would go. Now, if that wasn't open, a lot of times what he would do, this is not, again, it's not like Rodgers is consistently going seven or like five, seven step drop, reading one, going to two, going to three and realizing, oh, okay, I, I got number three now. And very clearly that does happen. It happened in his prime. It still happens now from time to time, but that's not how he really became the epic, amazing quarterback that we know. What he did more often than not, if you think back to the Falcons playoff game and what like really made him this insanely great quarterback is he would go to that initial read, that that Jennings, that Nelson, that Adams, whoever he wanted, kind of read there first. If it wasn't there, he he had everything at his disposal to make whatever happened happen. Meaning he would basically go to his read, not there, look down, be like, oh, the pocket, I can get through there. I'm going to step up through the pocket. Me, and then keep my eyes down the field. And while I'm doing so, like allow all these receivers to get open. And now I'm going to have a super easy throw. There's almost no risk for error. I've got the whole field of vision in front of me. And now I can throw again with my insane arm strength and insane accuracy and do whatever the heck I want. He was, he never really needed to be, I am plastered in the pocket and I need to go through my progressions and just be a pocket passer. He never needed to be because he could just immediately step up in the pocket and do whatever he wanted. And he didn't have to do that. And that's like, that was the Rogers that was just incredible, right? Because it, a lot of times he had that immediate read. And if he did, he would throw it. And if not, he would just make magic happen. And that magic was glorious. And we all loved it. 
but it, it could also at times develop some bad habits, meaning he never really became that traditional pocket passer going through his progressions at all times. Again, very clear here that does happen, but that's not his go-to. That's not always who he wants to be. He kind of always has that superhero in him where it's like, I'm going to go to my initial read that I think is going to work. And if not, I'm going to go make things happen. And again, in his prime, that was magical. Um, so he would have those amazing wide receivers he would avoid mistakes to a ridiculous level. He had the ability to step out of the pocket, make plays with his arms, make plays with his legs. And with all of those superpowers that we just listed, he was arguably the best to do it ever. But some of those flaws didn't always go through the reads and the progressions. A lot of times he would be one and done and then, you know, just kind of maneuver the pocket. He never really had great mechanics. He did have great mechanics early, but as he sort of started to do a lot of the off-platform stuff, which again was amazing, he never really got back to having great mechanics. So that's going to be an issue later. It was not in his prime, but he, he didn't always have those. And yeah, we'll get to that. Argu arguably, he was too careful with the football, meaning it's, it's an incredible trait to have because we know that how much the turnover battle matters. But sometimes he's just a little bit too risk averse and doesn't rip the ball when there's an opportunity to rip the ball. He didn't need to be risk happy, you know, because again, if the throw was risky at all, he had the ability to just pull it down, navigate the pocket, get outside, and then decide, oh, I've got a really easy pass. I have a check down I can take, or I can just run with the ball myself. And he never, he, like, he could always get a positive out of the play without ever having to have any risk associated with the play almost whatsoever. So, but there would be times where he could have easily ripped it down the field and using that incredible arm and that incredible accuracy, probably placed it in a spot that just his receiver could have got, but he never even wanted to put the ball in the situation where it maybe could have had a 1% chance of getting intercepted. And as time went along, he really became with that risk averseness, probably a little bit too allergic to the middle of the field. Um, and didn't want to throw where there was an opportunity for a ball to get tipped or picked off and, you know, really have a, a negative play. It almost became to the to an extent of it was more important to him to not make a bad play than it was for him to make a great play. And again, I'm not even saying that that's the worst idea as a quarterback is to have such great care of the football. But those were some flaws, even in his prime, that were showing themselves at time, but quite frankly, just didn't matter because he had all of those superpowers and was legitimately a superhuman quarterback playing the position at an all-time level that we really never saw before. So he was able to overcome all of those. Now, let's fast forward to 2022, shall we? And let's go over some of these things one by one. You may start noticing that there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps and it's called liquid death. Now why call this water liquid death? Well, mostly because it's going to brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. I have a can of liquid death right here and I'm able to open and take a drink from that. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And it looks just like water. One thing that I actually like to do is have people that don't know it's water. So you just give them one and they think they're getting a beer and all of a sudden it's actually better for them. It's a nice given thing of water. Their help. You can drink it at 9am. You can drink it at school. You can drink it at, drink it in public, do whatever you want with 
this little bottle of goodness right here. Go get your liquid death today at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or just find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the first is, like, I want to go through these superpowers first. One, his incredible arm. He still has a very good arm, or at least a, a good arm, a, probably an above average arm, but he doesn't have the howitzer. He doesn't have the same ability to just flick the wrist and have that ball go screaming out of his hand and get to any level of the field. Part of that is due to the thumb you know, issue and thumb injury and just some of the normal wear and tear of being a 39-year-old quarterback. But if there's anyone that still thinks he has the ability to throw the ball like he did in his prime, you, you, all you have to do is go back and watch the tape. Like it is very clear he just had extra zip on his pass back in his prime. He doesn't have that same incredible arm that he once had. Good arm, yes. Insane all-time great arm, no longer has that. And again, the thumb injury certainly playing a part in that as well. He doesn't have the same ridiculous accuracy that he once had either. Part of that is due to those mechanics. You know, when you don't play with mechanics, when everything's perfect, it's fine because he's he's just that good. He's just that great. But when all of a sudden he's had some of the leg issues or, you know, uh, some of the, the toe issues, some of the arm issues, some of the thumb issues, when you all of a sudden have an injury and you don't play with great mechanics, now things begin to get a little bit more complicated and some of that accuracy that you had when you were perfectly healthy, where you could play, you know, ad lib things and not have to do things with great mechanics. Now those things start to come into to play a little bit more. And now where we see him fading back on all of those deep throws, he just doesn't have the level of accuracy where we really want to see him step into it and rip the ball and throw with great accuracy. He spends so much time fading away on those throws and not playing with the mechanics that over time, his accuracy has suffered to some extent. Again, he's still completing a ridiculous level of his passes. Now, a lot of those are behind the line of scrimmage, but if you're evaluating it, you can very clearly see 
it's not the same as it used to be. Still good, no longer what I would consider a superpower. Does he have the ability to throw from any platform? Yes, I still think that is very clearly the case. Not with the same accuracy, we just discussed it, but he can still pretty much throw from any platform at any time and get it to the different layers of the field that he needs to. Does he have the same mobility? No. We have seen him really struggle to navigate the pocket, at least step out of the pocket and keep his eyes downfield and make those explosive plays. That is probably the biggest weapon that he used to have at his disposal that he just doesn't have anymore. When you're 39, your legs just don't work the same and you have to become a pocket passer. And he still wants to be able to be that guy who can step up. And we saw last week, he can still make plays with his legs when he absolutely needs to. But some of the plays that used to be 20, 30 yard gains are now six, seven yard gains or even sacks or, you know, right at the line of scrimmage, et cetera. They're not the same explosiveness that they used to be. And more importantly, Teams first teams have really learned how to limit him to make sure he doesn't get out of that pocket and have really made sure that they contain him within the pocket. But two, even if he tries to step up, there have been multiple times this season where he's tried to do that little like step up and move to the right and keep his eyes downfield, and he just can't get out of the pocket because defenders are so fast and he's lost a step. So he doesn't have that same level of mobility. Does he still have the pocket awareness? Yes, but again, the ability to make plays outside of the pocket, not what it once was. He's still, I know turnovers are a little bit higher so far this year, but it's very clear he still has the ability overall to avoid turnovers at a very high level. A couple fluky ones, a a ball that gets tipped in the air and some of those sort of things. It's not quite the same. I would still say it's pretty much a superpower considering all quarterbacks in the league and their ability to, you know, avoid turnovers. Nobody's really done it like Rodgers. So I still think that is in his arsenal. His ability to make adjustments at the line is still in his arsenal. But his ability to draw defenders off sides is almost entirely gone. Like, I think one, maybe two times this season so far. It didn't happen last year either. Teams have caught on to his cadence. They know when he's going hard count, and his inability to draw players off sides has eliminated some of those big plays because teams aren't jumping off sides and giving him free plays anymore. So, that is another thing that is gone. So, the arm, the accuracy, the ability to get outside of the pocket, the ability to run down the field. And the ability to draw defenders off sides, that is five of the eight superpowers that have either decreased to a significant extent or just aren't there anymore. So you have some of those superpowers that are gone. You also have some of the same issues that he had in the past that are now becoming a bigger issue. His ability not, or not ability, but his propensity to not always go through his progressions, boom, 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 boom is becoming a bigger issue because he can't just buy time like he used to step outside of the pocket and create those big explosive plays. He has to be a pocket passer. And his, again, his default is I want to read that first read. I want to go there. If it's not open, I kind of want to do my little dance thing and see if I can buy time until somebody's wide open. That doesn't work as well anymore. And it's still an issue. He doesn't have the great mechanics, which we talked about. And now as he ages a little bit and his arm's a little bit worse and he's got a thumb injury and his accuracy is not quite the same, those mechanics are much more put into question and it's becoming a bigger issue. He's also probably at times, even though his interception numbers are up, there's times where he's a bit too careful with the football and has avoided to a very large extent the middle of the field. This past week, like it's crazy because the two throws that he did make over the middle of the field were two of his worst throws. The one, the the throw to Toure, which should have been a touchdown, and then the, the interception to Tunyon. So like he threw it, but he didn't throw it far enough, and he didn't. You just made a poor read on the other one. But 
there were three other plays in the middle of the field that were like huge completions waiting to happen. And he's just not even looking in that direction because he avoids the middle of the field like grim death. So that still remains an issue. So those positives are fewer. Those superpowers are fewer. The negatives are still there. And there's also some other negatives that have really crept up over the last few seasons. And specifically this season, if we're being real, he has seemingly wanted to almost entirely play out a shotgun, not wanting to play under center. He doesn't want the motion, the things that can make the life of a quarterback easier because wide receivers are running free a little bit more when teams have to think a little bit more. And the other one is that when he is running the RPOs, he's predetermining where he's going with the football. So he's not actually reading the defense post-snap. He's reading it pre-snap and determining where he wants to go, which isn't the right way to do that. So again, just to kind of sum up, a lot of the things that he was amazing at, he just doesn't have that same capability anymore. Some of the things that he struggled with, he is still struggling with. And meanwhile, there are some other struggles that have kind of come to fruition where he hasn't really been able to run the Matt LaFleur offense the way that it's probably supposed to be written. Add in the fact that you have a lack of talent around Aaron Rodgers. The offensive line has been iffy, although if you look at it, they've actually been better in pass protection than they've gotten credit for. Uh, the, the pass protection is graded out better um, via pro football focus in some of the next-gen stats than I think it's gotten credit for. And you know, even though he can still make those checks at the line of scrimmage, the inexperience of the players around him makes it so that those checks haven't been as successful because not everyone's always been on the same page. So those are things that are not Aaron Rodgers' fault, but you add in all of those things to the mix and you clearly have a quarterback that just isn't the same due to some of the physical limitations, due to some of the things that is sort of like he's just gotten the habit in over the years due to the lack of talent around him, not trusting his offensive line and players that aren't familiar with him and the checks that he wants to make at a line of at the line of scrimmage. So that's where you're at as a quarterback. And the, the issue here is this is they're, they're in a no man's land at quarterback because what I'm sure Matt LaFleur wants and what's probably best for this team is that Aaron Rodgers runs Matt LaFleur's system, is a true pocket passer, is a distributor of the football, and doesn't have to be Superman. I think that's probably the best version of what we could you know, want right now out of Aaron Rodgers in this offense. The issue is that the lack of talent around him is making it so that Aaron Rodgers has to be Superman and he wants to be Superman, and this team really needs him to be Superman. When he's saying uh, with the interview with you know Aaron Andrews and her you know sideline report this week that if he's going to go down, he wants to go down throwing, what he's saying is like, listen, you're paying me the money. I'm the MVP of the league. Like This offense sucks. We are putting up 17 points per game. Just let me do my thing and let me go off. And if it doesn't work, at least I went down swinging and I did it with the autonomy to do so. And I get that. I totally understand that. I, I swear to you, I promise you, if I were in Aaron Rodgers' position and this offense didn't have the weapons on the outside and things weren't going great, even though Aaron Jones running the football and some of the motion and the stuff like that is the stuff that is potentially could work the best, if I'm Aaron Rodgers and this offense is just struggling, even if part of it's because of me, I would be like, you know what? screw everything else. Give me the autonomy. We suck. Just let me do my thing. And if we still suck, what did we lose? We, we, we already sucked. Like 
I, give me the give me the reins. Give me the ability to be the guy. That's what you're paying me for. That's what I'm supposed to be. Let me go down swinging. I would be saying the exact same thing. Now, if it's best or not, that's probably debatable. But I, if I'm him, I totally get it. I totally understand it. That's what I would want as well. This team needs him to be Superman. But as we discussed, when you're Superman, you need superpowers. And a lot of those superpowers that he had aren't there. And you couple it with some of the declining aspects and all of the things that are going on around him, not having the talent, not trusting the offensive line. And what you have is a quarterback that has happy feet in the pocket, that isn't going through his progressions, that will panic at times, that doesn't trust his wide receivers. And you get the plays like the, you know, Josiah DeGuara play that I posted on Twitter, where he goes through his first progression, gets to his second, he's staring at DeGuara, he's wide open and he's just not pulling the trigger because he doesn't have faith in anything right now. And he still thinks, and again, understandably so, that he needs to be Superman. And in order to do that, he wants to go back to all the things that made him Superman in the first place. Meaning I'm going to go to my initial read. And remember, this is a man who has like a, you know, a beautiful mind-esque memory of like every play that happened. And like, he thinks like, even if this is read number one over here, he's going to remember that in week three of 2014 with Jeff Janis at wide receiver, that Janis ran this against this coverage and it came wide open. So I know read one is over there, but I remember that this play, Jeff Janis did this completely randomly. And so I'm going to actually read the defense and go there first. Meanwhile, read one was open or he never got back to the read where it was supposed to go in the first place because he remembered something that happened to go. And what happens is the offense becomes less of a scheme, less of an offense, and more of backyard football where Rodgers wants guys to do certain things. He's making checks at the line of scrimmage and like nobody's really on the same page. And you're not stacking plays together, meaning that, you know, one play that you're running in the first quarter is actually setting up a play later in the third quarter that's going to become an explosive play for you. This isn't an offense right now. This is Aaron Rodgers doing his thing and trying everything he can to be the superhero that this team, quite frankly, needs if they want to be successful on offense and want to be successful overall. But they just don't have all the things that everyone needs to be successful, including Aaron Rodgers. So where things stand right now, the talent around him isn't as good and isn't good enough, quite frankly. The physical issues are a problem and he's just declining overall physically as a quarterback, not to a, like, again, a Matt Ryan, end of Peyton Manning extent, like Drew Brees, et cetera, Ben Roethlisberger. He's still good, but the, the, the overall physical decline is still noticeable. He can't escape the same way. He's not going through progressions the way that they're supposed to. His eyes are dropping down and looking at the offensive line rather than looking down the field. He's still too risk averse. The mechanical flaws are showing up now because of all the other things that are going on and because of some of the injury issues. He's avoiding the middle of the field when he needs to be looking in the middle of the field. The Packers aren't able to use motion or play him under center as much because he's not comfortable doing so. He's predetermining his RPOs. And it's an offense that ultimately ends up not feeling like an offense, not feeling like anything that's cohesive or coherent. It's just a bunch of plays being called and Rodgers making changes at the line of scrimmage. So that's where I think things stand. That's why things are a little bit broken. And Tom Oates on Twitter, if you're not familiar with Tom, make sure you're following him on Twitter. He said, and this is his tweet, quote, no question Aaron Rodgers is showing his age, but in 2012, his wide receivers were Cobb, Nelson, Jones, Jennings, and Driver. 
Packers current wide receiver one, Alan Lazard, wouldn't have made the team. A front office needs to give an aging quarterback more help, not less. I agree with Tom, totally. And I mentioned this, I think a couple times in the past week of, there are some similarities to the Colts here, where the Colts knew they needed to give Matt Ryan prime conditions to be successful, and they gave him nothing other than Jonathan Taylor, but the offensive line wasn't good enough to be able to run Jonathan Taylor, plus Jonathan Taylor got hurt. He didn't have the wide receivers. The O-line sucked. He consistently faced pressure, and if you give Matt Ryan that set of conditions, he is going to look awful, and no surprise, he looked awful. In 2020, when Rodgers had the offensive line and had the wide receivers and had the running game and had everything around him, he was a nightmare for defenses. He was an absolute machine, the MVP of the league, and arguably, arguably played his best season of football as a quarterback. It was beautiful to watch. The Matt LaFleur concepts married with the Aaron Rodgers talent was gorgeous, but He had the offensive line, the receivers, the running backs. He had everything. Tunyon had his breakout year. Everything that he needed at his disposal, he had. And right now, he doesn't have that at his disposal. If you don't think that a healthy Aaron Rodgers with talent around him would still carve up the NFL, I don't know what to tell you. There's no doubt in my mind that if you gave Rodgers a fantastic offensive line with great wide receivers, Aaron Jones at running back, and a solid tight end that you, if you don't think he would be tearing up this league still, I, like, I don't know what to tell you. Even with some of the things that he's not still capable of doing like he was earlier, I don't, I think you would see a very, like basically probably the same Aaron Rodgers that we saw in 2020. I, I really do. I don't think there's any question about that, but the contract makes it tough to do that. When you're the highest paid player, when you're the highest paid quarterback, you are going to be asked to take on a little bit more burden you're not going to always have all of the players around you that you need to be ultra successful. And to be fair and to be real, the Packers haven't done a good enough job of surrounding him with talent. That is clear. That is abundantly clear. That's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. That is the front office's fault. And he's also injured. And like I said, he's just not the overall the player that he once was. So that's where things stand. What I ultimately see with Rodgers and this team right now is I see a team that thought Aaron Rodgers was still a superhero, could carry the offense, and paid him to be the superhero that lifted this offense that was devoid of talent in some pretty significant ways, but could still lift it to be maybe not a top five offense, but a top 10 offense, maybe the 10th you know best offense, and still putting up 24, 25, every, you know, occasionally a 27, 28, 29, 30 point game here and there, but about 24, 20, you know, five points per game. I think that's what they were expecting. And and maybe understandably so. But what I see, and to Tom Oates' point, is a quarterback that isn't the superhero he once was, and he needs more help than we thought and that the Packers thought. And that's natural for a 39-year-old quarterback who isn't quite the quarterback he was when he was 25, 26, 27, 28 years old, etc. And that's where we're at. You have a you have a team that didn't give Rodgers the necessary pieces that he needed to be at this stage of his career, partially due to how much they're paying Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers wants to be and needs to be still that quarterback that he was in his prime, and he just can't do it, especially not with the talent that's around him. So that's where I'm at. Is it unfixable moving forward? I don't think so. 
I think Green Bay would have to do a like first of all, we don't even know if Rodgers is going to play next season or if Green Bay wants to go in that direction. But if he does, they'd have to do a much better job of surrounding him with talent. I don't think there's any question about that. And Green Bay is going to be extremely cap strung with what they're going to be able to do from a salary cap standpoint. So they would have to have an amazing draft, get a you know a couple more cheap free agents in that could really contribute somehow, and and hope for the best. But it is very clear that he needs the talent around him to still be super successful. And even if he's not, he can still be a solid, okay quarterback, but it's not going to get you to the point that you want. So again, to sum it up, a team that thought Rodgers could carry the offense and paid him to do so, a quarterback that can't do it on his own and still needs, or at least now needs the help around him to be successful like he had in 2020. That's where I come out on it. Hope you enjoyed this episode, this recap of what Rodgers was, what Rodgers is, what Rodgers becomes, we still don't know. But like I said, I will be cheering him on. I'm hoping for the best. I would love nothing more than one last Aaron Rodgers run through the playoffs as a superhuman quarterback. And only time will tell exactly where this heads. Thanks so much for joining me today. I always appreciate you. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.